0: Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aliyah And I'm Curtis. And today we have on Music Lawyer, Randy Ojeda. Uh, Back on the podcast, it's time to discuss a valuable seminar that he will be giving through C-Squared on Saturday, February 24th at 2 p.m. Eastern. So convert that to your time zones wherever you're living. And um, from the time of this episode being published, that's going to be a little less than two weeks out. So make sure to sign up at the link if after this podcast, it sounds like something you would be interested in signing up for. We also have on Sophia, um, who is helping to host and organize the seminar. So thank you both for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I I always appreciate the invite. Always happy to be on Heavy Business.
0: We love having you. And thanks for... Taking the time out of your day as well, Sophia. I know you're super busy finishing up uh, work, working on classes and stuff.
2: Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine. This is a very welcome break. So thank you for having me back.
0: Awesome. We'll talk about this seminar that's coming up. So um, the topic of this seminar is basic fundamentals for artists that can apply worldwide regardless of jurisdiction, um, which is... It sounds so valuable, but I'm worried that some musicians, when they hear that, they're going to think, "Well, this sounds out of my league. This sounds kind of boring, and my band's not really ready for this." Um, can you kind of describe the type of musician that should be um, that should be considering looking into getting this information and signing up for the seminar?
1: Absolutely. So you know, obviously. Any musician, I think, you know, anybody can benefit from uh, this seminar. I mean, we are talking basic legal fundamentals, but we'll get a little bit, we'll get into in the weeds a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, this is really important for um, anybody that's in the industry that's looking to understand, you know, where their money comes from or or how, you know, things are how things are split amongst uh, amongst band members, amongst collaborators, you know, especially if you're working with somebody Either in a band, or um, you know, if you're if you're collaborating with somebody as a producer or songwriting or whatever it is that you're working on with somebody else, you know, you need some kind of agreement together. So that's it's it's important to kind of understand these basic fundamentals. So if somebody does hand you an agreement, uh, you have some basic knowledge of what is included and what you're signing up for and what you're agreeing to and what you're able to negotiate. You know, a lot of times people don't know what they can ask for. So we're hoping to answer some of those questions in this seminar and you know, provide some guidance for, uh, for musicians of all levels.
2: Yeah, and especially when you're really early in your career, it's honestly never too early to start understanding these things so that you have a roadmap for how to proceed legally so that you have everything set up before you actually get started. And then you can address things as they come and you have a plan for it instead of just trying to address it on the fly.
3: And I do want to point out it's for worldwide musicians too, right,
1: Randy? Right, we're not going to get into um, jurisdiction-specific notes. It's going to be, you know, stuff that applies generally across the music industry uh, throughout the world. So
0: even if, you know, this is going to be a a little bit of a financial investment for people and a time investment. So they might be thinking, well, my band's not making any profits yet there's no reason for me to do this. There's no money to worry about. So what would you say to someone in in that situation?
1: I would say, again, it's never too early, you know, just because the money's not pouring in right now, or because, you know, you're, you're just starting out, or, you you know, you're, you're just starting to gain notoriety, or what have you, I think it's still equally important to understand these core fundamentals and and the basics of music law, Um, just because you never know, what might happen? I mean, maybe you'll have a viral TikTok hit or maybe your song will be picked up in a movie or or something where, you know, within a day, your life could change. And, and you know, if you want to know um, what to do, you know, if you if you encounter that situation, uh, this is a great seminar for you.
0: Perfect. So we're not going to obviously go over everything that's going to be covered in the seminar here. That's what going to the seminar is for. But maybe you could give people a little taster of what to expect from the seminar.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, like I said at the beginning, um, you know, we're going to be talking about collaboration agreements, uh, how to split, you know, co-writing how to split, um, you know, different creative contributions. We're going to be talking about band agreements, which is super important. Questions like, who owns the band name? Who owns the rights to your songs? Who has decision-making power in your band? You know, these are super important questions that um, only a band agreement can answer. Uh, we're going to talk about record deals and, you know, expectations for record deals, when to sign, you know, when to look for some other situation, you know, when to not sign a record deal, which could be this could be the case. Um, also, we're going to talk about management deals. We're going to talk about, you know, copyright transferring, you know, what exclusive versus non-exclusive rights means, you know, a whole slew of topics that I think are, are incredibly valuable for musicians. I've just seen so many mistakes made along the way that if we can do this seminar, give you some knowledge and, and help you, you know, make better decisions when it comes to music law, you know, then we've done our job.
0: Well, and maybe you can't talk about the exact solutions to those mistakes, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen in uh, music law.
1: Yeah, just people not understanding um, what rights they're, they're giving up and what rights they're giving to another party, you know, I mean, this can be everything from songwriting rights to publishing to master royalties, you know, there's, there's so many different layers to this. And if you listen to our previous pod, or the previous podcast that I was on on heavy business, we talked a lot about um, royalties, and, you know, the different types of royalties and, and where they come from, and how you get how you collect those royalties. So, um, you know, I, I often see a lot of people not fully understanding that, you know, they, they can keep this aspect of their music. They can keep these rights. They can keep these royalties. And, you know, that can turn into long-term, uh, long-term income and, you know, um, also help them control their art. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing is at the end of the day, obviously everybody wants to make money, but, you know, this is still your art and it's what you're putting out into the world. You want to have some kind of ownership of it. You don't want to just give it away um, at the first person that, you know, sends a contract.
0: Yeah. Um, One legal case that I think is kind of interesting, that's kind of recent, it's outside of the metal realm. Maybe you can kind of speak to what went wrong here. Um, Taylor Swift um, Mm. and the selling of her catalog, and she ended up re-recording... A bunch of music. So what happened there? What went wrong? And how was her solution? How good was her solution?
1: Yeah, so obviously, Taylor Swift is a very unique artist in the in the sense that she's popular enough that she can re-release her her music and and regain control of her masters. So essentially, um, the masters and we'll talk about this in the seminar are the actual uh, recorded the recorded part of the song. It's not the composition. It's not the underlying song. It's the actual recording. Um, and what what I believe, and don't quote me on this, but what I understand about the Taylor Swift case is that she was very young, and she basically gave up the rights to her masters. Um, so she no longer. So she owned the songs, the underlying compositions. And again, we'll talk about this on the seminar and the difference between those two things. But she owned the songs, but she didn't own the masters. So now. She's able to re record those same songs um, and then have new masters. So, the new masters uh, she has ownership of. So, um, very, very elegant solution. You know, something again that, you know, somebody as popular as Taylor Swift can get away with. But if you're not Taylor Swift, it's going to be really hard to re record your music and sort of, you know, put the genie back in the bottle, if you will. Um, again, that's something kind of only Taylor Swift can do. I mean, you know, she's Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so most people in metal bands should try to avoid having that happen because you're not going to be able to do what Taylor Swift did.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to have a chance to, to uh, you know, if if something, if you have success with your initial masters, it's going to be really hard to re-release those in a timely way that, you know, gets you, to regain control of them because again the genie's going to be out of the bottle people are already going to have the songs they're not going to go looking for you know taylor's version of of your your you know death metal song
0: that would be really interesting taylor
2: covering death metal
1: <laughs> i would love that i would i would listen to that in a heartbeat
2: i um, was gonna do a um like symphonic metal cover of something from speak now because i just feel like that fits so we'll see yeah
1: <laughs> No, oh, I would look be, forward to that. Yeah. No, if I were so um another thing going on in the industry right now that you, you might have heard of is that Universal Music took down their catalog from TikTok. Um yeah. it's a super big deal, you know. Free game right here. If I was an artist, I would be doing covers of as many popular universal music songs as possible, putting them on TikTok, and then when people go to search for that song, they'll find your cover. So wow. That's free that's free tips right there. Just just <laughs> go and do that. You know, do your symphonic metal cover of Taylor Swift yes. and get it out there. You never know who will be looking for the original version can't find it and suddenly they're rocking exiled hope, you know.
0: <laughs> well, that's um a good strategy. So thank you for that yeah. tip. I did not know that actually. So good to know. Um, one thing I wanted to it kind of stuck out to me is that there's kind of like this dual uh, perspective on the, the legal issues. There's the internal legal, like housekeeping, and then there's external legal things. Ex- internal being the band agreement, collaborations, anything related mm-hmm. to you, the band internally. External being management, label things like that. Can you speak to some of the things that can go wrong internally if you don't take care of things legally?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think, I mean, first off, that's a really good way of putting it in is like internal legal issues versus external um, legal issues. And, you know, both of them are equally important. And a lot of times they kind of feed into each other. So, you know, if you don't have proper clearances from your band, you know, you might not even be able to sign that record deal because one band member on their own, could block the whole deal if they don't have you know if you don't have an, uh, an, an agreement outlining who has decision rights who has rights to the music who has rights to the songs if you don't have those agreements in place it's kind of a free for all like anybody can kind of come in and say well you know I own seventy percent of this song and if you don't have an agreement saying otherwise who are you to say you know that then you're going to have to go uh, to court or mediation and figure out a way to to settle that dispute but If you have if you have documents already in place that say um, who has those rights, it's going to be much easier um, to settle and much easier to to sign to a label. You may not even a label might not even be interested if they find out that you don't have proper clearances that you don't properly own. You know your masters. You might miss out on a great deal because um, you didn't take care of that internal piece first. So um, there's definitely a lot of interplay between the internal and the external in this case.
3: I just want to ask a quick question. Like one of the things I noticed that always comes up with contracts and Sophia kind of pointed this out to me as well. um, We're buddies, we're friends, we don't need to have a contract because everything's all good. Can can you just kind of explain that method of thinking and why that doesn't work?
1: Yeah, Um, I would say, you know, have you ever had an an altercation? (laughs) Have you ever had an argument with your with one of your good friends? I mean, of course not. Yeah, of course not. Why would anybody ever have an argument, you know? Why would anybody disagree about something? Exactly. Um, yeah, things, things are going to be good all the time, always, is, is you know, what, what you think. But there's, there's a myriad of examples, uh, especially in the music industry, of situations where people were great friends when they started, then things started to change. You know, egos get in the way, money gets in the way, life gets in the way, and suddenly it's not so easy to agree on things so um i would say especially if you're if you're close when you start um your your music relationship you should have an agreement because you know at the end of the day you don't want to lose friends over the music business you know so i think it's it's especially important to um have those expectations written out so that everybody you know understands and and also it's it's easier to agree when things are going good than it is when things start getting rocky, you know, so the earlier you can take care of those situations, the better.
0: Absolutely. And that goes even if you don't really have arguments with your friends, and you're super close, and you feel Mm -hmm. like you share all the same values. I think it's just always better to cover your bases and make sure that everybody knows what's
2: what the deal is going in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we read
2: this case in my business associations class, I think about redfin like the two owners just eventually ended up hating each other and they went to court and they just could not agree on what they had decided for the business and there was no contract so they had to like they they had to judge the case based on their conduct toward each other essentially
1: yeah and i'm sure in that redfin case it was very expensive to litigate very expensive to deal with in court So it's one of those situations where do you wanna spend the money now and do it right? Or do you wanna spend the money later, spend a lot more money because you didn't take care of things initially. So something to ask yourself.
0: So in these conversations, we're talking a lot about business and I'm wondering, would this seminar not be for someone who thinks of their band as just a hobby and isn't trying to take it to any kind of profitable level.
1: Yeah, I I still think that there's a lot of uh, principles here that are important to understand, because again, even if you're not trying to necessarily make money off of your music, it's still your art. And, you know, you could put something out into the world, and it could end up, you know, in in a commercial for a company that you don't agree with, the company's politics or the company's decisions and if you don't have your proper paperwork if you don't have ownership of that song you know there could be another band member that could agree to that that commercial sink or that that usage and you would have no say if you didn't have the proper paperwork going into that situation you know so i think it's it's obviously the money is very important the business aspect is very important but Even if music is just a hobby to you, I'm sure you're proud of your work and you're proud of your songs and you wanna keep ownership of that and you wanna be able to control where those songs end up and where um, the songs get placed if possible.
0: So let's talk about solo artists. Um, What kind of legal preparations and things, why, why would a solo artist need to have any understanding of the legal fundamentals?
2: Because when you're a solo artist, you're in charge of all of that yourself and no one is holding your hand. <laughs> so That's a very good point. Yeah. It, it, is inc- it is invaluable to know this stuff when you're a solo artist because you're just doing it yourself and no one else is helping you figure these business things out. And you want to make sure that you're as protected as you possibly can because your team is smaller and you don't have as many people kind of around to protect you, if that makes sense, or to assist you in protecting yourself.
1: Yeah, I know. Sophia right on. And it's not just about, um, you know, it's, it's, yes, you're a solo artist, but it takes a village in the music industry. There's going to be somebody that you're going to have to partner with, that you're going to have to work with, whether that be a label or a distributor or a collaborator, a producer, you know, another songwriter, somebody along the way Uh, is is going to need to work with you you know you're never you're never truly solo in the music industry so I think understanding these principles understanding these fundamentals can be very important for a solo artist because once you enter those negotiations you have a frame of reference you have something that you can speak to
2: you know yeah because even if you're solo there are sync deals there are record deals there are collaborations that you might do so you just want to understand also the basics of copywriting so you want to understand that foundation so that, you know, what your personal roadmap looks like going forward dealing with different types of people and different entities in the music business.
1: Yeah, I would argue it's it's almost more important as a solo artist to attend uh, this seminar or, or something similar because you are the one in charge. I mean, you're you're essentially, you know, running your own business and that business is your music career
2: the reason I went to law school is so that I could learn to kind of be my own lawyer and help other artists with the issues that I was kind of encountering or that I wanted more information to understand how to navigate. So.
1: Yeah. So this seminar is a great first step towards, towards that. You don't have to rush out and go to law school just yet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe, maybe down the line, you can consider the law school game like Sophia did, you know?
0: And even, um, you know, you know, and, a and, a solo artist might think, uh, well, I don't need any of the internal stuff. I just need the external uh, stuff to think about record deals or things like that. But you really do have to think about the internal side, too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: In what ways yeah. do they have to think of what what concepts are are, are still relevant to an internal solo artist?
1: Yeah, like uh, Sophia touched on just understanding copyright law and how copyright transfers work, how licensing works. You know, if somebody wants to license your song, what does that mean? You know, you might be listening now and you might not know what that means. So we can, you know, we can talk about that. And, and, um, you know, again, if you're going to be collaborating with somebody, if you're going to be working with somebody else, but I think just sort of the, the basic concepts of of ownership. And, you know, it, these can be kind of abstract things to talk about because we again, we're talking about art and, you know, does anybody really own art? I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. People, people do. So, you know, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, a lot of those situations and a lot of those, um, sort of basic principles that I think are super important for the internal part for a solo artist, as well as the external dealings with labels and management and other
3: companies. And you know, we're pitching is- on royalties too, are we not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and royalties, yes, yes. Uh good good point, Curtis. So yeah, royalties, you know, where again there's there's a whole breakdown of where royalties come from, who collects them, you know, what what you get royalties for, you know, those are really important things to understand um if you're trying to make it in the business.
2: And it's very commonly misunderstood. So definitely yeah. learn about that if you want to make money from your music
1: even by a lot of lawyers too. So, I mean, we're, you know, Sophia and I are specifically, you know, focused on music law um, and entertainment law. So, I mean, we, we have background in this, but, you know, a lot of lawyers, you know, they don't, they don't teach this in every law school. They're, there's specific, you know, courses, specific books that it's important to read to understand this stuff. So um, you may think that, you know, your friend who does business law or, you know, traffic accidents or whatever can, can help you understand these contracts, but they really can't like you really need somebody that understands the music industry and the way music breaks down. And that can be pretty complicated. So we're hoping to, you know, summarize that in a very succinct way to make it easy, easy to understand and, and helpful for, uh, for those who attend the seminar.
0: Moving on to talking about the external, um, sort of concerns with the the legal fundamentals. Now, what are some of maybe the less expected things that could go wrong here? Like, let's say a band is like, "Well, I know I know how to avoid a three hundred and sixty deal. I know I know I need to make sure that my manager's not taking advantage of me." Like, what are some of the less common things that they still might benefit from from this?
1: Seminar. Yeah, and things like understanding, you know, if we're talking about a record label contract, the difference between advances versus, you know, a budget or a marketing budget, you know, and how advances are typically essentially a loan, and is that something that you need to repay? So you need to think about if a label's offering you an advance, um, are they offering you too much money? I know that's kind of weird to think about that somebody could be offering you too much money, but you know, if you're if you're going to be stuck recouping forever, you know, you, and, and that's another concept we'll talk about as the concept of recouping, um, you know, uh, you may be stuck in a contract for a, a very long period of time, if not forever, just because you took a massive advance early on and you're not, you're not able to pay that back and get yourself out of the contract, you know, um, with management contracts, one, one of the often looked over concepts is, uh, what's called a sunset clause. And this is something we'll talk about too, but, um, a manager may have rights to your royalties even after their representation of you, if that makes sense. That's what's called, you know, the sunset. So they're, you know, it's it's still they're still able to get uh, money even as the the sun is setting on your on your working relationship. You know, so that's a super important thing that's in a lot of the management deals that people don't even don't even think about or look at. And then next thing you know, you're paying your old manager. or 5% or an additional whatever for a couple of years, you know, because you signed that sunset clause, you know, that can be really, really disappointing, you know? Um, And then we'll also talk about kind of what's fair in these deals and record deals. What's a, you know, what, what's a fair breakdown? What's a, what's reasonable when it comes to commission and compensation for a manager or for a record label? What's, you know, what, what type, what type of deals exist? You know, there's a lot of different questions that go into these, situations and you know people talk about uh, oftentimes people reach out to me and they want me to look over a deal and they say you know we just want to make sure this is standard okay well standard doesn't exist in the music industry there's no standard there's no like overarching governing body that says this is how things are supposed to be the music industry is kind of the wild west in that sense so you know people can make up their own standards and make up their own you know it's basically whatever you can negotiate so hopefully by the end of the seminar, we can give you an idea of, okay, this is what I might be able to negotiate. And this is, you know, again, there's no standard, but this is what's reasonable. And these are some some of the expectations that we can have going into making a contract.
0: Awesome. And then at the end you're going to do a QA and a session there's this dis- this disclaimer that you cannot give specific legal advice. And I right. hear this disclaimer on other podcasts hosted by lawyers. What what is the reason behind this disclaimer?
1: Well, uh, a couple of reasons, mainly that that if if you have a very specific situation, you have a specific question about, you know, maybe a contract that is in front of you, you know, at the end of the day, you need to hire a music lawyer. I'd love if you hired me. That would be that would be fantastic. You don't have to hire me, but you have to hire a lawyer to to review your specific situation. So in the Q&A, we're going to be answering general questions, talking about concepts, explaining, you know, maybe a little bit further about some things that maybe weren't clear in the seminar, but we're not going to be answering, you know, hey, this person offered me this contract. Should I sign it? That's a question that is for your lawyer and you need to establish a official legal client attorney relationship before somebody can answer those types of questions for you.
0: That's for their protection too, the musicians protection too, right?
1: Absolutely. Because I don't know, you know, if you're just asking a question in the seminar, I don't know your specific situation. I don't know the specifics about what's going on with your band or the label. You know, there's a lot of other research and a lot of other time that goes into answering a question like, should I sign this contract, you know, versus a question like if you just have General questions about our royalties or anything that we talk about, you know, that's that's different.
2: And I think a lot of people misunderstand what legal advice means, because um, a lot of the times I'll get people saying, "Oh, I'm like not asking for legal advice. I just want to ask you this question." Well, that question could fall under the category of legal advice if it's very specific to your situation, and lawyers can't give legal advice without um, establishing an attorney client relationship. There's a lot of, there are a lot of formalities and ethical considerations that go into forming that kind of relationship. So it's not something that you can just ask a question and boom, you have a lawyer. It's not quite that simple. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Curtis, do you want to take the lead for the rest of the chat?
3: sure so a couple things that uh, i think that we should cover uh is number one randy you should probably go over what your qualifications are for uh, teaching this number one like your history in the music industry in a nutshell even though we've kind of gone over it before
0: right this is in the prior episode with randy yeah. so um yeah. but yes please do give us a little expose sure, yeah. about what your qualifications are on this
1: sure so um before i actually became a lawyer and um started my, my legal practice and, and started, um, you know, randy hate a law my business. I, um, I wore quite a few different hats in the music industry. I was an artist manager. Um, I did a and R for a distribution company. Um, I, I ran a record label for a little while and, um, I'm even a musician myself. So I I played bass. Um, and I, I guess I could consider myself a vocalist, but I don't know if I You did good, good on that thing I heard. Really good. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about that record, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I'm a musician myself as well. So I, um, you know, I've worked in the industry for over 10 years now. Um, I'm an associate member of the recording Academy, the Florida chapter of the recording Academy. Um, you know, I've, I've hosted a uh, festival showcases at places like South by Southwest CMJ music marathon, North side festival in Brooklyn. Um, I ran an artist management company called cigar city management. Um I also have my own podcast so you know shameless plug for um Cigar City Radio which is my podcast series where we interview uh, musicians we've had people like Guar and Goat Horror and you know some and super cool on your podcast? We had Guar on the podcast yeah um and Guar Guar was really fun because I I don't know if I should reveal this but it's been years so um they we did the interview bef- well before their their set that night. And they, um, you know, they hadn't put on the guarness yet, like they hadn't put on any of the gear or the makeup. So it was just them. Um, but we had to pretend, you know, like their management made us pretend like they were already geared up and, you know, in full Guar costumes and stuff. So we had to, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. So go back and listen to that one. That was a couple of years ago now, but it was Guar was a great time.
0: Did you have to act afraid or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, we had to act afraid and and, and scared and you know intimidated by the by their guarness, you know. Um, nice. And I believe I believe we they talked about um, murdering Taylor Swift on that episode. So you know, full circle, we're going back to Taylor Swift. Um, guar, yeah, they didn't you know, succeed.
0: She's more powerful than ever.
1: Exactly, exactly. Guar guar failed in that uh, in that endeavor. Um, but yeah, you know, we've had some cool people on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I've just, I've been in the industry a long time. So I, I, I feel like, um, more, more so than some lawyers, like I, I understand, you know, what it's like to be in the industry. You know, I've, I've tour managed, I've been in the van with bands. I've, you know, driven across the country, you know, in a van with, with people that haven't showered in days and, you know, I've done, I've, I've, I've done these things and I've kind of been in the trenches for a little while. So, um, my perspective is a little bit different than a lot of other lawyers who may have just gone from law school to practicing, you know, fair. Sure.
0: that made me think of a question, actually, if I could just ask, yeah. um, is there anything related to touring that you look over as an entertainment lawyer?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, um, you know, generally, you know, it depends on the level that you're at, but once you get to a point where, um you're playing these massive shows there are a lot of legal implications and there's you know contracts you know that are more in depth because you know you're talking about like what if the show gets canceled what if you know we have to refund money what if you know etc there's a whole ton of things that can go wrong with live shows so there's definitely um a lot of a lot of issues uh, that you can look at there um but typically on the on the you know bands in a van level you know it's uh it's there's a lot of like handshake agreements and stuff with venues, still a lot of things that can go wrong, still a lot of things to look at you know um but that's that's a good that's a good point. That's something that um you know if you're touring right now and, and you want to you know ask about in the in the Q and a part of the seminar or something you know we can talk about in the seminar because I definitely think that there's a lot of uh legal issues involved in touring as well.
3: Um, I only have a couple more things if we've got time. Okay, cool. Uh, so number one, uh, I wanted to actually get Sophia just her input just to see if she had anything, uh, that we might've missed. Just ask Randy before I ask mine.
2: Um, I think that was mostly it. I do kind of want to go circle back to the beginning and talk about like why it's important to know these things. Um, Because, I mean, like, even if you're just starting out um, and you don't really feel established in the music industry yet, maybe you feel like music is still kind of a hobby to you. It's not really generating any real revenue. I still think it's important to treat your music as a business and treat legal as an investment in in that business that will protect it for the long term. I think that's really what musicians at the beginning of their career should take away from this.
3: 100%. And then I also want to add that she's also a solo artist that we mentioned. Randy's been doing this, so they're both hosting the thing. Um, so my final question, well, kind of a question, Randy, is, are there anyone, any type of musicians that would not need to go to this or is it like everyone should go kind of a thing?
1: No, I, I think everyone should go. I mean, obviously this is, this is heavy business and you know, we're, we're going to tailor things uh, specifically towards bands and, you know, artists in the, in the heavy music world. But I think, you know, whatever type of music you're doing, whatever level that you're at, I mean, these we're going to talk about concepts and, and issues that are relatable across the board. Like the music is its own language. And, you know, regardless of which which dialect you speak within that language, it's uh, it's all going to be pretty relevant.
3: What if it's like a band that kind of goes like they're already signed to a label, they've already got a lawyer, would they still benefit from something like this, do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, because first off, you might not be on that label forever, you know, and, and sure. also, yeah, you, if you have a lawyer, that's great. But, you know, I, I think the more that you know about these these situations, the more you know about these concepts, just the the more educated you're going to be and the the better off you're going to be. Uh, negotiating and, and, you know, sitting across the room from somebody that may have studied this for years and years and years,
3: you know? Fair, fair. I think I've got everything covered.
2: It's also probably easier to communicate with your attorney. If you understand, if you have some background knowledge of this concept so that it's you're both more on the same page with regards to what you want to see from the deal. So it'll make it easier for the attorney to draft something to your specifications. If you both, mutually understand what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. That's a great point, Sophia. Yeah.
2: Agreed.
0: Very good point. Um, so with that, I think that's a great place to wrap things up. Um, so just a reminder, this seminar will be taking place Saturday, February 24th at 2 PM. Eastern convert that to your own time zone. And, uh, I assume a recording will be available after the time for the people who have signed up for the seminar.
3: Yes, and if you cannot make it, you can also uh, just pay the price and we will send you a link to the seminar uh, once. or not a link, we're going to send you a copy of the recording once it's done.
0: Right, this will not be public, but if you sign up for the seminar, then you will get access to it. Um, Hopefully you can make it live so that you can ask your interesting Q&As. And with that, thank you both for coming on the podcast. And everyone listening, thank you for listening. And until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. what's happening there if you enjoyed this podcast please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us recommending it to your friends or leaving us a review on your platform of choice thank you for listening to heavy business brought to you by c squared music